Anyway, good morning. Welcome to the Grove Church. My name is Mark. I'm an executive pastor here, and um, I hope you've been tracking with us through this Colossians series. If you hadn't, I would really, really encourage you to just to read along. Um, we're going to be in chapter two, start of chapter two this morning. If it, it would be really important, maybe to go back and get caught up and uh, and listen to the first two sermons of the series because they really do kind of set the stage for what's going on here and kind of the backdrop. And we don't want to just kind of, you know, do the repeat every week to set us up for where we are. So I'd encourage you to do that. I think it'll make your time here on Sunday morning or listening online just even that much richer because you'll, you'll be able to put all these pieces together. Because this is a real letter to a real group of Jesus followers from Paul. And, and there's, a, there's a, a something that's going on there that's specific to them. But what's crazy, and it, and it just always is astounding to me, the way that when we study this Bible passage, how a lot of the same things that they were dealing with and the struggles that they were having are just the same struggles that we're dealing with today. And this truth this morning, it couldn't be any more true. It couldn't be any more true. But to really get into it, I want to go back a little bit to some things that Charlie said last week, because uh, he said one thing that, that really just helped me get my mind around the passage. Um, I, I was the one that was real excited about us moving into Colossians. We, uh, I've got a group of guys that meet at Crackle Barrel early in the morning, and we've been studying Colossians already. We've been working through it. And, um, and so I was real excited to start to study it. And there was, I mean, this, this passage that, that Charlie dealt with last week where Paul just all of a sudden goes into that, you know, he was the firstborn of all creation by him and for, for him and through him. And, you know, it, it, it's poetic. It's, it's, it, 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 sound, you know, it fits, but then at the same time, you're like, man, he just kind of just went off there for a little bit, you know, and, and said some astounding, massive statements about, about who Jesus is. And what, when Charlie said he made a big deal of Jesus because these heresies that are that are, we're going to deal with now that have kind of crept into this new church and people have started, even though the Colossians have this true, real deal faith, these people are kind of saying, yeah, yeah Jesus is awesome, but Jesus plus, you also need this. Um, there, there, there's a higher truth. Yeah, that's kind of the, the basics, but there's this more that you need to know, these, these other mysteries and things that are out there that you need to find out because it's not just that. And in order for them to come into this group of believers and to say that there's something missing, that there's something that can be added, then they have to bring Jesus down a bit. They, they, that's what Charlie was saying. Like they, they have to bring him a little bit lower so that there's some space to fill. He can't be what he, what he says in the, in the Sermon on the Mount where he goes, you know, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And last week, that passage is he is all of it. He is, is everything. I mean, the, the cup is completely full. There's nothing else to add to it. You can't say Jesus plus anything because there's no room left. And so Paul, in the beginning, he's like, man, this is how big he is. Don't forget it. Don't leave any room. There's no room left. He is all, period. It, uh, it reminded me of 80s, uh, early 90s hip-hop. Anybody else make that, make that connection? Uh, it's funny, lately, I, I'm the one that's in charge of waking up our six-year-old twins in the morning and before school, and you know, they, they never want to get up. Anybody, they, everybody, nobody wants to get out of bed. So I usually, you know, 
<laughs> pull them out of the bed onto the floor, kick them a little bit, you know. I try to be nice, but yeah, man, we got to go. We can't just sit around here. Well, I found the key. So it's worth the price of admission if you just walk out with this key, if you're a parent that has to wake up kids in the morning. You play 80s rap hip-hop. When you're walking up the stairs, they start hearing it. And I'm telling you, Jack will automatically, man, even when he's still asleep, he'll start, he'll start to move. Uh, the first morning I tried it, don't, don't ask me why, but TLC, the waterfall song, somehow, like I just, I was walking up the stairs and I was like, oh, I, I wonder if that, and then all of a sudden he was, it was all good. Then this last week he said he wanted the devil song. I was like, man, we're teaching our kids good. <laughs> what devil song could he be talking about? And then I realized that Terry was trying to introduce him to country music, and he was talking about the devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> and he really did. I mean, he started to fiddle and do his thing. But um, no, but when I, uh, that came to my mind when I was looking at that passage last week, because most of those songs, those, you know, 80s, 90s uh, rap music, the, the artist is, is making these huge claims about how they're better than all the rest for this reason or another. They, you know, they're superior because of this. And there are things that are just crazy big. And you're like, well, everybody knows this. Not, that's not true. But they're just, they're just dropping, yeah, I'm this, I'm this, and that guy's this. And in fact, an example, since, you know, Charlie's out of town this morning. So. Uh, an example I wanted to give you, you know, uh, Young MC. Anybody Young MC fan? From the album that dropped in 89, I think, Cold, or Stone Cold Rhyming. There is a song, uh, Got More Rhymes, one of my, one of my favorites. Uh, I'll do a little part of it for you here. It kind of goes like this. There's some of these audacious uh, claims. Now, with a voice like this, I rock so well, but I'm not Prince, Lionel Richie, or Patti LaBelle. I'm not the Cars, the Pretenders, or the B-52s. My name is Young MC, and I'm the one you should choose. I'm the doctor on the mic. Yes, I'm so sure that all you need is one visit, and you'll be cured. Because in the game of rap, I am the referee. When the others need help, they come to me. Like Judge Joe Wapner on the People's Court, my name is Young MC. Rocking the mic is my sport. Now, you know, just from those 12 lines that a fellow like me never falls behind, and this is where it gets really serious. Because I'm the cream of the crop and the leader of the pack. Once you give me the mic, you know there's no turning back because I got more rhymes than the other guys do. They're just a monkey. I'm the whole zoo. I can't use a book. I use a hefty bag because they're just a string. I'm the American flag. I got more rhymes than water seen by a sailor, more than husbands of Elizabeth Taylor, more than Babe Ruth can hit home runs. Yo, my name is Young MC, so come on and have some fun with rhymes. See what I'm talking about? That's what that passage last week felt like. But, but this we know is not true. Young MC is actually not all these things. Jesus is. And so Paul comes out and he says, this is how big he is. Enough said. Right? So that's what just happened. And we know um, these heresies that are coming. And one big one that we're going to deal with today is that, yeah, it's, it's, it's Jesus plus this extra higher knowledge. And I'm going to go back a little bit in chapter 1 and then break into chapter 2. We'll get up to verse 15 today. But chapter 1, sorry I got this cold, so if I sniff a little bit. Chapter 1, verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, 
hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. And I'm not going to assume to really have my mind around what Paul was thinking when he uses the word mystery. He uses it uh, more than once in this passage. Well, you know, one side of it, there is this reality that, man, this, this mystery, that it's, it's counterintuitive that, that this Jesus would, would take the penalty of sin, the perfect blameless, would take the blame and the punishment, and that that would be it, that it would be finished, that, that faith in him, that we would switch places. You know, I, this was amazing to me. Jack even made this statement the other day. He said something like, oh, so it's like we switched places. And I was like, Where did, how did you figure that out? Yes, they, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like we switched places. And I know that's a, that's a little bit counterintuitive. So it's a, it's a mystery because it's not by our works that it's possible. It's not by the works of the law. Just like I said a minute ago, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And that's a little bit counterintuitive and a little bit of a mystery. But there's, there's part of me that also wonder if Paul's not a little bit snarky with this. Because as you work through the rest of the passage, you can tell that people are coming in and saying, oh, there's more to know. There's, there's these mysteries that you don't know. Yeah, you understand Jesus and the gospel and all that, but there's these extra things. And he's like, man, no, this is the mystery. This is what you got to get your mind around. And it's complete in this, this mystery. And then verse 27, he says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the riches of the glory of this mystery. And what is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, that's the hope of glory. Now, let's think about this statement, the, the hope of glory, for a second. You know, um, if you've memorized any scripture at all, you probably have this one memorized. It's uh, the third chapter of Romans, verse 23. It says, we, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All right? So if we're going to understand the situation that we're in in our sin, it says that, that God is holy and, and perfect and glorious and we have fallen short of that glory. We, uh, we don't deserve to be with him. Uh, the things that he is about and that the life that comes from him, it's not possible in us. We are short of the glory in our sin. And by the way, uh, all have sinned and fallen short. Not, not a bunch of sins. There's, there's perfect and holy and there's imperfect. And here we all are fallen short of the glory of God, not able to be in his presence, not able to really have this power and life coming out of us, the godliness of him, we're, we're short. And this says that there's a hope for glory. There's a hope, but where's the hope found? Christ in you. That's the answer. There's the problem. What's the answer? How is that ever going to be possible? Possible? Christ in you. Verse 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I want you to just pay attention to this passage. How many times in Christ, with Jesus, everything. It's over and over and over. He is leaving no doubt in Christ 
period. For this I toil and struggle with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I love that sentence because here Paul just said that our hope of glory is Christ in us. And then his next statement is, I'm struggling for you guys. And I'm struggling. How am I making this struggle, this life struggle? Life is hard. Life is tough. I'm trying to help you guys. That's tough. I mean, he's currently in jail. I'm struggling how? With all of Jesus' energy that powerfully works in me. So he's saying, for me too, my only hope of glory, my only hope of, of real thriving life in this life is Christ in me. Then chapter 2, for I want you to know how great of a struggle I have for you and for all those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged and knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Again, which is Christ, period. That's the mystery. And he's saying, I'm, man, I'm, I'm struggling that you guys would, would understand the riches, how, how, how much this is worth, how powerful it is. Not, not, not this plus other, th- I'm just talking about just what Jesus did and what he wants to do in you. What's possible in Jesus in recognizing our separation from God, turning from our sin, trusting in him, and leaning on him fully. I want you to understand that, not that plus other, this is it, period. Assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Then he goes in verse 3, in whom, Jesus, are hidden all the treasures, all, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's not some higher thing. You can go looking, and you can read all the books, and you can do all. But they're all of the treasures, these riches of wisdom and knowledge are in him. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. See, some are coming into this fellowship, and they're trying to, you know, sprinkle in ideas that there's, well, you're okay, but there's this, there's this extra part. You know, you kind of got it, but there's a little bit. I had a, a really wise older dude in my life one time say something, and I, he may have gotten this from somewhere else, so you may have heard it too, but he said, man, the, the most dangerous lies are the ones that are closest to the truth, right? And he was warning me because uh, I had somebody in my life that was, they were talking about Jesus, but then just one click over, they were adding and it was, so, it, it was so sneaky that I almost didn't see it, that this, this guy was actually saying Jesus plus this. And it's so close. That's the reason the most dangerous cults out there aren't the cults that are talking about something wacky over here. They're the cults that, cults that say, yeah, Jesus is awesome. Jesus was a really good man, but Jesus wasn't God. And not, what he did isn't salvific. It's not the, the only answer. It's close, and so everybody's like, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, now we're talking about something else. We're talking about us becoming a God on our own power. 
That's a way different thing. This is Jesus and Jesus only. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's saying this to us. He's saying this to, to this church in, uh, in Colossae so that they wouldn't be deluded with, with these arguments. Verse 5, For though I'm absent with you in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Period. Now, the reason I say that this is, this is awesome for them, but it's also really huge for us, is because don't we just try really hard to make things complicated? I mean, really, it's just like our human nature. We just try to make things, especially the big things, the important things. It's like we try to, we try to complicate them and, and overthink them and, and add things to them when sometimes there's just a really simple answer that's right in front of you, and, 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 but instead you're going to go you know, study and read all these books that talk about other things. But the answer is right there. I think marriage is a great example of this. Terry and I, are, we're coming up on another anniversary, 24, and we were, uh, am I right, baby? Yes, we're 24. And, uh, but we were, you know, we were together three years or so before that, so we've been together a long time. And when we're doing marriage counseling, either with a young couple or sometimes we've got friends that are, might be struggling and that we're talking through things with, and, and we'll get the question, you know, you guys seem to still like each other. Why? How, does that, how does that work? How, how do you still like each other after a long time? And in one way, I'm like, I mean, I get it, and we can have us a long discussion. But, I mean, we started out, I, I saw her there, and I'm like, I like, I like her. And, and, she, and she looked back, and she said, you know, I, I, th- I think I like him. And we asked each other out on the first date, and we... we we went out, and we decided, you know what? We'll choose each other for the second date, and then we'll choose each other for the third date. And then out of all the girls, I chose Terry and asked her to be my wife. I made, I made the choice. And then they want a marriage. What did I do? Well, I chose her again, and she chose me again. And then day two and day three. And now, however many days, 24 years plus whatever, carry the one, every day, we chose. We, we made a choice. This is my girl. This is my fella. We're going to do life together, you know? Is it really that simple? I, 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 mean, I mean, you can complicate it a lot, but we, we continue to choose. We continue to choose. And I was talking to one friend about this, and um, he was really trying to make things real complicated. And I said, man, tell me, when was the last time that you guys just got away, the two of you, away from responsibilities and things and remembered what it was like just to be a couple of teenagers, you know, being together. The reason you originally liked each other and chose each other to begin with. When's the last time you did that? He said, oh, man, I can't even remember. And I said, well, why don't you you do that? Why don't you take a step of choosing and find some some way that you two guys can go do that? He said, there's no way. I said, well, you mean there's no way? She won't, she'll say no? He said, I, well, I don't know if she'd say no or yes, but, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to ask. And I almost just hung up the phone. I'm like, we're going to sit here and talk for two hours about how complicated this thing is, but you won't ask the girl on a date? Come on. Some of the easiest things in life. Uh, I mean, trying to get control over health things, right? I mean, it's not really, whatever book you read, it's not really that complicated. There's all kinds of different strategies and things like that, but it's really just the budgeting of the calories. 
I got to take in less calories. I got to burn more calories. <laughs> I got to, you know, doctor's going to tell you, man, just, just eat less, exercise more, eat the right stuff. I mean, that's, that's always going to be the answer, but we want to make it a lot more complicated than that because what do we not want to do? Just do that. Just do the thing that's right in front of us. I, uh, I've got a buddy. I think I've, I've told you about him before. His name's Tavares Uzigwi. I met, I met T uh, when he was a college student and, uh, 20 years ago, and uh, I got to spend about a year with him. And I knew that since then he had gone into full-time ministry, and now he was, people were flying him all over the place to be the keynote speaker at all these events, and people were asking him all these questions, and he'd become like, man, like he's this guy with a lot of answers about what it looks like to share Christ with people and to start communities who are following him. And so I, I met with him, went down to Little Rock, and, and we met up uh, a year or two ago. And uh, first of all, T walks into the restaurant to the Chick-fil-A, and he hugs me real big, and he looks in my eyes, and he's like, you still love him? That's the first question he asked me. And I said, you know it. How about you? Man, you know I do. And that, that's, that's T. So then we sit down at the table, and we start to talk, and, and he says, man, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, I go to these places, and these people ask my opinion about things, and, and these are people that are way more studied than I am and everything. And he said, Mark, you know what I do? He said, we met, and, and you started sharing with me these, these things. And I got my mind around the gospel. And then I memorized a few of those verses that we memorized. And, and then I started sharing that with people. And he said, you know what I've done for the last 20 years? I repeated that year 20 times. I did what you did with me for that year. I just do it again and again, and again, and guess what happens? People fall in love with Jesus and follow him. It's rocket science, right? He's like, man, why, why, why does everybody want to complicate this thing? But that's what we do. We take simple things and we make them com- complicated. Jesus, period. Why do we have trouble with that? Is he not sufficient? Is he not everything? There's nothing to be added to that. When it's complete, it's done. So, uh, verse 6. And this, this sentence right here is, is huge because we'll, we'll talk about the gospel when we, when we use the, that, that term, you know, that Jesus died for our sins, that faith in him, uh, but through faith in him we can be made right with God. We talk about it as if, all right, there's that, and then there's the you know, the seminary word uh, sanctification. Like then we, then we start to be made more like him. And so there's this journey. And it's almost like there's a line here of this is how I came to Christ, but now I, this is what it looks like. But look what he says. Therefore, as you received him, so walk in him. There's not some new secret out there. In the way that you received him, turn him from yourself, turn him from trusting in yourself, turn him from your sin, trusting in him and resting in him. Now walk in him. That's the secret today. Jesus was the answer here, and Jesus is also the answer here. It's not Jesus plus your good works. It's not Jesus plus some new thing. It's Jesus here, and now Jesus is also the way that you live. You find him, and then you continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him. 
established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Which, by the way, I am, if, if you just key this up, just highlight every time you're reading your Bible and it says, it says something about thanksgiving, because I think we just read over those passages, but it's the thanksgiving part that's so critical. I was at this place one time, and there was a, uh, I'd just gotten involved with this group that they had a, a competition with scripture memory. And I was trying to memorize some scripture, and I decided, okay, I'll jump in here. And, and the verse that, I, that I, they gave to me when they just drew it out of the hat, I said it, and they kept on telling me I was wrong. And I said it, and they kept on telling me I was wrong. Well, there's this, this phrase, with thanksgiving, that I kept on leaving out. And I realized later after I walked away, not only did I leave it out of my scripture memory, I've left it out of my life. <laughs> just stopping and being thankful. It's amazing how that changes the game. And he says it here. Rooted and built up in him and established with faith as you were taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Waking up in the morning and realizing who Jesus is is what he's done and resting in that and being thankful for that. Man, that's the depths of knowledge. That's the mystery. Not chasing after something else, just really embracing and understanding that at a deeper level. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and by empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ, period. And uh, Charlie, moving on next week, he's going to get more into some of those elemental spirits of the world and, and some of these other things that they're teaching. But basically, here he's saying, man, don't get caught up in that. Jesus, period. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And then look at verse 10. And you have been filled in him. So we just got through saying, the, in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The fullness of the deity. And then he says, and you have been filled. He's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's in you. The fullness. He is everything. And guess what? He is in you, and the hope for godliness and that you might, the attributes of him might, it, it's him living it through you, like he said earlier about himself, all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Verse 11, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the flesh and by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. You were also raised with him. Through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And then verse 13 through 15. And, and um, I was telling the first service, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do this justice. Honestly, I I probably studied on this passage preparing for today more than I have uh, for any in a long time. And my biggest fear is just that I might somehow get in the way. Because this right here. Y'all, this right here is like on fire. It, this right here is good stuff. So what I'm about to say, just, just please try to, try to take it in. Maybe read it again some more on your own. It says, verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. We, we can't just skip over that fact because what we like to do is to think of ourselves before Jesus as I mean, I mean, at best, maybe like out in a sea of water, like trying to swim 
but drowning, but struggling, and that like maybe he threw the life preserver to us. Uh, we were on the operating table and you know our vital signs were still there, but we were we were about to die, and he's the doctor that comes in and saves or something. But y'all, that's not true. You were dead. Dead, dead, dead on the bottom of the ocean, dead, done. Your sins and your trespasses, my sins and my trespasses had separated us from a holy, perfect God. And we were spiritually dead, dead, dead. Then it says, God made alive together with him. God made alive, not you made alive, not you swim over and grab the life preserver and pulled yourself to shore with a little bit of his help. No, off the bottom of the ocean, he brought you to shore. He breathed life back into you. God made us alive in him. That's the reason we're thankful, by the way. <laughs> That's the reason a person who really gets that is very, very thankful. Because they realize they didn't do it. God did this thing. We were dead. Having forgiven us all of our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, y'all, by, triumph, by triumphing over them in him, period. By canceling the record of debt that stood against, against us with its legal demands, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. Man, like I tried to think of some fight that I was in back in the day or some fight that I watched or some, something that I saw where somebody was put to open shame, not just defeated, but put to open shame. That's what Jesus did at the cross. Everything that was against us, he put it and he didn't just defeat it. He put it to open shame. The very thing that was meant to, to bring his downfall, the, the instrument of death, is the very thing he nailed it to. And he put them to open shame. And now there's no accusation against you. Not because you did something, because he whipped it. He whipped it. And he left no doubt. He didn't like, maybe, but did he win? Did he lose? Did he win? No, he won, and then he put them to open shame. That's what Jesus did. And he didn't leave a little bit left for you to do, for you to come up and clean up. No, <laughs> he did it all and left no doubt and then dropped the mic on the way out, right? And he's coming again, and when he comes again, uh, there will be no doubt on that day either. You know, there's a there's a limit to uh, to how much of these stories that can have sequels. You know, you ever, I mean, sometimes they just try to stretch a story too long. There's a movie, there's something that's good, but then they made money off of it, and so they're like, part two, part three. You know, Fast and Furious, I think the new one's part nine. It's like, man, all right, well, we can continue to stretch this story out, man. At some point, it's like, how far can this story possibly go before, you know, if you've seen a bad sequel, you go, oh, man, well, now you almost ruined the first one because now you went and did that to it. You know, I was thinking, I, I don't know many true, I, in fact, I can't recall any, where there was a true story, a book written about a true story or a movie about a true story where there was a sequel. <laughs> Because a true story is it's like, boom, that's it. The book closed, story over. This thing happened. There's no Jesus plus there's Jesus. Now, yeah, I mean, there's Acts and there's the story of how that plays out. But this is the story. 
This is the story. Book closed, period, over. Jesus. And that is the mystery. That is the height of knowledge and wisdom. There's nothing more to search for. There's nothing more to find. There's the depths of understanding this and how it plays out in life. But this is it. Period. And Paul just doesn't leave any room for for anything else. And so you can imagine these Colossians get this letter and they read that. And then the next person that walks in that tries to take them one click off of Jesus, I hope the thing happened in their heart that I hope happens in us this morning that we recognize that and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus and Jesus only. And I'm so thankful. And I'm so much in love with him because I recognize that I was dead in Christ in me. That's, that's the hope. So, if y'all are cool with it, let me, let me pray that God would do that in us.